prayer. Father, I thank you, I praise you, I glorify your name for the privilege that we have to be here this morning as we celebrate Memorial Day, as we remember those who were every person that was in the service, every person, man or woman, who went out and defended our country. God, I thank you for every one of them, for their families, Father God, that were unselfish, and the men and women that were unselfish to go forth and protect us. I pray for those, God, that are in the service now. I thank you, Father God, that in the times that we live in, seemingly it's much harder on them. But God, I know that you are faithful and you will protect, prepare, and reveal yourself to them wherever they are. And we thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. I'm going to share a couple things. One is in James 6 and 7. If we could go there. James 1, 6 and 7. We've been teaching on prayer. If you don't have a prayer life, you're not going to get very far in your walk with the Lord, especially right now. Right now, we need to be... What's the word I want to say? Adding more prayer time every day. Hallelujah. Okay. James chapter 1, 6 and 7. Only it must be in faith that he asks with no waverings, no hesitating, no doubting. For the one who wavers, hesitates, doubts, is like a billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and, t excuse me, hither and thither and tossed by the wind. For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For being as he is, a man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. That is heavy. I'll read it in the King James Version. Only let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Hallelujah. So I'm going to read something that um, Rick Renner shared online. It is important to know what God says in his word about the request you're making of him. And to take the time if you need, the time you need to get his words about the situation planted deep in your heart. I'm going to read it again. It's important to know what God says in his word about the request you're making of him. And to take the time you need 
to get his words about the situation planted deep in your heart. Then once you have his word on the matter as your anchor, you can declare out loud, I'm believing God for the answer to come to pass. And I'm not moving in my stance of faith about it. This is where so many people miss it. They don't take the time to prepare. I'm going to share right now. Right now is the time where people need to be praying for every circumstance and situation that we know the enemy could bring against us. You know, in James it talks about count it all joy, but what the enemy wants is your faith. And so there are certain areas that you have got to keep yourself built up in scriptures. Prosperity, healing, deliverance, your family, your children. I mean, just the whole scope. Your brothers and sisters in the Lord, especially those in this church, your pastors. You must be built up in this area. It is so important. I can't even begin to express to you. People have become slack in this hour, and that's why we've, we're seeing the things that we are seeing in this time that we're in. And it's so important that we take these steps. When you do that, you're pos you position yourself as someone God can connect with. When you do all these things, you position yourself as someone God can connect with. See, you have to have a connection with God, and the connection with God is faith in His Word. Faith in His Word and prayer. Praying, praying His Word in faith. Hallelujah. When you position yourself as someone God can connect with, and he won't stop working on your behalf until the answer manifests in your life. It is a good day to stand still. Hallelujah. Have you prepared? Are you preparing? Do you stay prepared? Hallelujah. Many things are happening to people unexpectedly. But I've watched those that have preached the word and those that have stood on the word and those that have kept those areas completely prepared and ready. When it hits, they know exactly what to do concerning the word. They're not digging through their scriptures, trying to find something. They already have it implanted in them and they're ready and prepared to go out to war. Hallelujah. And they're ready and prepared to stand. Hallelujah. I'm just wondering, do you have long-standing prayer requests that haven't been answered yet? This is another Rick Renner on James 1, 6, and 7. This was the next day. If so, I want you to think about this today. Maybe you've never locked in with your faith at, on that particular need. I'm going to say it again. Do you have a long-standing prayer request that hasn't been answered yet. In other words, you are standing and standing and you have not seen the manifestation just yet. Glory to God. If so, I just want you to think about this today. Maybe you've never locked in with your faith on that particular need. 
regarding what you've asked God for? Do you change your mind or waver in doubt every few days? Or even every year? Sometimes it does take years for certain answers to prayer to manifest. That's why it's so important to focus and lock in with your faith. Focus and lock in with your faith. You have to say this is it and stand still. Faith knows what it wants and faith stands still. Faith doesn't waver. Hallelujah. I posted this the other night. I was up probably at, I don't know what time this was, but in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, God shared with me that the body of Christ is going through exactly what I'm going to teach on for a second right now. If you would turn there, Matthew 28, or Matthew, I'm sorry, 11, 28 through 30. I'm not on Facebook to play games. I'm on here for one purpose, and that's to preach the word. Amen? And I thank God for ministers that feel the same way. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Excuse me as I rip something off this. Okay. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief and ease, and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, useful, and good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. It says um, in the King James, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest un unto your souls. For, your, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. These are the things that the Lord showed me. You will find rest for your souls, your mind, your will and emotion. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. In these times we live in, I do not know anyone who isn't needing these scriptures in one way or another. Remember James 1, 1 through 3. Count it all joy when you encounter divers tests and trials, for the trying of your faith worketh patience. Let patience have her perfect worth that you may be what? Entire and what? Wanting nothing. It says the enemy's after your faith. We need to take these scriptures and learn how Jesus paved the way for us. He said, learn of me. You notice in this, in this he said, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Learn of me. How did he do it? What did he do when he was in a circumstance, in a situation? He paved the way. He showed us exactly what we needed to do to get through that trial. As um, Brother Renner says, sometimes it takes years. Sometimes you stand for years. Look at Abraham. He stood for years. He did not give up. Sometimes, I don't, I don't think we have years, quite frankly, in the time that we come in. But we must be prepared in the word and in faith in every circumstance and situation. We must be filling ourselves full of the word of God in this hour like never before. And we must be praying in this hour like never before. Building up your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, I ask people, how much are you praying in tongues? The Bible says the spirit knoweth your infirmities. That's your body frailties and your mind weaknesses. We have to pray in the Holy Spirit. It was given to us for power. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what's going on around us. We do not. That's why it's so important to pray in tongues. If you haven't received the gift of tongues, it's something I, I, I challenge you. You need this. You need that gift. You need that prayer language that God has freely given, or Jesus has given to us. He said, I go away, but I am sending a comforter, another comforter. He's sending the Holy Spirit for us to teach us, to guide us, to counsel us, to teach us the word of God. And we need this so, so very, very much in this hour. So very much in this hour. I have one more thing I want to share here, and it's about the bridegroom cometh, and this should make all of us excited. Hallelujah. In Matthew 25, 6, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, and you go out to meet him. The Spirit of God is delivering a vital message to us today. Hallelujah. Get ready. For Jesus return it's an old message but there's a fresh urgency to it an urgency you can't afford to ignore some believers make the mistake of saying oh well I just don't think we're supposed to know the second coming it's supposed to come unto us as a thief in the night but they're wrong the Word of God says that as children of light we shouldn't be taken by surprise we should be so keen in the spirit that even though we don't know the day or the hour, we should sense that the season of Jesus' return has come. And it has come, church, let me tell you. In 1 Corinthians 2.10, tells us that God reveals his plans to us through the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important, church, that we allow the Spirit of God to pray through us. Hallelujah. I suspect that those who are walking in the Spirit on the day the Lord comes again will actually begin to anticipate that something is about to happen. Hallelujah. Well, let me tell you, church, I don't know about you, but I am anticipating that something is about to happen. Hallelujah. Don't get caught. Um, wait a minute. Got to go back. Be like the five virgins in Matthew 25 who were prepared when the bridegroom's arrival was announced. 
Stay full of the oil of the Holy Spirit and with your light shining. Don't get caught sleeping when Jesus returns. Wake up now to the Holy Spirit. Let him put you on the inside track and get you ready for the Lord. Because just as Jesus foretold, there is a cry going out at midnight. The Spirit of the Lord is announcing his return. Can you hear it in your spirit? Yes, I certainly can. Can you sense the Lord saying, get up and come out to meet me, fellowship with me, get in the light now and the crucial hour, at, the, at that crucial hour, you'll be on the inside of my plans. Obey him quickly. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Hallelujah. Glory to the, to the name of the Lord. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Father. Ushers, if you'll come forward. Last week, Pentecost Sunday, we have a friend whose wife has been in a, had a heart attack and who's been in a coma now for six weeks. And I was running late Sunday morning, but I, I felt such an impression of the Spirit of God to have me sit down and, and, and um, send a message to him. And in that message, I said to him, I said, I am believing for a, a manifestation that you can see this morning or this today take place. A total manifestation. I said, it's Pentecost Sunday, and I'm believing for you to actually be able to see something that is happening in her life. And he wrote me back that night. He didn't get the message in the morning. He wrote me back that night, and he said, for the first time, someone sneezed in her room today, and she lifted up her head on her own. And, and that built up my faith. Not only did it build up my faith, it built up his faith. Because I'm, these messages that I'm not pasting to everybody, but build up your faith, church. Start believing to see not just things in, in the spirit or, or things by faith, but it was at a point that Sunday that it was so important, Pentecost Sunday, that something happened that they were able to see in the natural to encourage their faith. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Had nothing to do with me. It's the Spirit of God. God is faithful. To do super abundantly above all that we could dare ask or think. Amen. Father, I pray over our tithes and offerings this morning. Okay, she's already opened in prayer, so we'll go straight to the nugget. Are you ready for this nugget this morning? The basic art to communication is... The basic art to communication is the ability to hear. Okay, she's already said that tomorrow is Memorial Day, amen. So, with that thought, I'm, we're going to look at Memorial Day as such, in prayer, that is. So if you want a title, A Time to Remember, A Time to Remember. This is a time to remember. It started in Columbus, Mississippi. 1863, 
the Civil War was raging, but in a little cemetery in Columbus, Mississippi, behind a church, a small group of ladies put flowers on the graves of their sons and their husbands. One old lady, after putting flowers on the grave of her two sons, got up and walked to the outer edge of the cemetery. Another lady said, where are you going? Don't you know that's where the Union soldiers are buried? Yes, I know that. But I know that somewhere in the north, there are mothers, wives, and children that are mourning for them just as we do as she placed flowers on those graves. This event was published in, in, in the local newspaper and spread to other newspapers until it finally reached the New York Tribune. Then it spread all over the country. A year later, Congress declared a day of declaration you know, decorations, to help heal the wounds of the North and the South. Um, there may be not too many people remember Declaration Day. It was, it's now called Memorial Day, but uh, there, it wasn't changed too far back. Memorial Day is not just a time to remember. It's a, time, it's a tribute to soldiers that fell that this country might not. It is a time to remember that their giving was not in vain and that we, to, we, to, we should pray for this country of ours that it fail not the course set by our forefathers in the Constitution. We need to pray for the men and women serving in the military today. This is going to really... Shock some of you. Suicide rates are high in the military. Divorces are at an all-time high. Post-traumatic stress disorder is at a very high level. Uh, our men and women have been exposed to some of the most important things that run counter to our values here in America. Unless they have very supportive inner structure assistance by their family, or have spiritual underpinning to reach out to a sovereign God to heal mentally and physically uh, their disorders, this trend of emotional disorders will continue. By not lifting them up and praying for them, we will have failed them. Now, I want us to turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 32. Um, Back in the Vietnam era war, some of you weren't even around at that time, but um, they had, that was when the uh, drug culture started heavily in the Vietnam era and uh, quote, free, free sex was running amok. And uh, they, you had the Peaceniks running around, screaming, you know, they, they, if, uh, if you wore the uniform of any uh, of our soldiers, 
and you had a campaign, especially a campaign ribbon from Vietnam, uh, you were going to be ridiculed, spit at, and everything else by these individuals. Um, fortunately, it's not happening today. There's a few, but it's not happening today. But in Numbers chapter 32, I want us to look at verses 6 and 7. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, Shall your brothers go to war and you sit there? In other words, here's God saying if they go to war, you don't chastise them, you don't make fun of them, you don't ridicule them. Why? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them? That's a, a stern warning to not come against your military when they go to war, but you need, we need to support them. This is what we need to support our military today. April 30th of this year and May 1st of this year, you can look it up. Under the Obama administration, Secretary of Defense Chuck Hagel ordered the Pentagon to tell recruits in the military that the biggest terrorist threat to the United States is not the Muslim terrorist groups, but Christian evangelisms or conservatives in the military. Christian, now listen to this, Christians sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ are guilty of sedition and treason. That they are enemies of the Constitution and have committed crimes under the federal military law. I said, this is rough. This offense is punishable by court-martial, possibly imprisonment, of course being dishonorably discharged from the military. This will include chaplains, who ordained clergymen of the faith, especially Christian pastors, Catholic priests, and Jewish rabbis. Who else is there? But Muslim imams, and they are free to do what they want. This regulation severely limits the expression of faith and individual personal free freedom of beliefs. Christian chaplains also cannot pray in the name of Jesus, nor speak out against abortion, Islam, same-sex marriages, or any theological doctrinal foundations of faith that may offend other sensitive, politically correct issues. Remember, the chaplain is to be true, to tell the truth, and repeat the truth. Now they are gagged. Is this not reason enough to remember and pray for our men and women in, in the military? Don't our troops deserve a better treatment? So I would admonish you to begin to pray for our, 
our troops, especially those in the chaplain position, because uh, if they even mention it, they can be drummed out, imprisoned, and discharged. And that, that was officially, I looked that up, it's official. Uh, they have one guy, I can't remember, I should have wrote his name down, that is uh, an atheist that's really pushing it. He's part of the group that Obama has put into office to do this. So uh, we need to pray for our military and our men and women in the military. Uh, you know, I remember a few years back that uh, Look had Look or Life, they brought a special edition out. And um, they showed the, the men in, I think it was Desert Storm, but they showed men that they, that became born again, and they had water tanks, and they're baptizing. I don't know if anybody saw that. They were baptizing, in it, but now they can't do that because it's offensive. That's bad. It shows you the world is changing. And we have to be light. We have to be the salt. We need to talk, talk up against these things. Okay? Okay, let's go to 1 Timothy at this point. That's 1 Timothy chapter 2. Verse 8, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. We need to pray. Then back up to the book of Ephesians. I'm just all centering this on prayer on the military today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayers and supplications in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. Those men and women in, the, in uniform need to be lifted up. We need to pray for revival of character and honesty and ethics in our government and every area of our society today. In the Bible, we are told to remember more than a dozen times. Remember. Even Jesus told us to remember. Why remember? It would seem to indicate that we are very good at forgetting things. Let us become more committed and focused on the important things of God than on self and other matters. I want to give you a uh, quote from Abraham Lincoln. Listen to this. Intoxicated with unbroken success, that means we're full of success, we have become self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redemption and the pressing preservation of grace. We are too proud to pray to God that made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our nation's sins, 
and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. It is a time to remember, lest we forget, the highest form of Christian, Christian maturity is attained through prayer. Real prayer, or real praying, lies at the foundation of all real success in the things of God. Stability, energy, and facility of God's kingdom is established in this world are totally dependent upon prayer. Like we learned last week, the binding and loosening. Where does it start? Here on earth. It's done there in heaven. God moves when we move. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. I think we looked at this last week also. Matthew 18 and 18. Jesus speaking. Verily I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Where does it all start? Here on earth. We hold the keys. This encourages us to this 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 little verse here should encourage encourage us to pray. This is both a command and a direct promise. If we do it, it takes place. Glory to God. Hallelujah. These words open up the treasures of heaven to us simply by asking for them. Unless we are skilled in our art of prayer, Trained in its exhaustive exercises, we will be lacking in power and effectiveness. That means we need to, just like uh, today people, you see them going at the gym, working out, working out, why? To build themselves up, to be strong. If we're not in prayer, we cannot move the things that God has asked us to move because we're not strong. We need to pray. What did Paul say? I pray more than ye all. He wasn't from the South. Maybe South. Okay. Does faith and prayer stand strong as we love, as the love of many grow cold? Think about those that are Christians that have fallen away. Is their faith and their prayer strong anymore as they grow cold? I don't think so. It doesn't move God. He says when you're cold or lukewarm, well, when you're lukewarm, he'll spew you out. And if you're cold, you forget about it. So we need to be what, according to that scripture? We need to be hot, fervent in prayer. Jesus was fervent in prayer. Paul says, I pray more than all ye all, 
Jesus, who did Paul emulate? Jesus. So he saw that Jesus was praying all the time. Paul says, I've got to pray. And James also prayed. He had camel knees. That's what his nickname was. I don't think many of us even have a pimple on our knees. Hello. When faith and prayer are broken down, the foundations of spiritual life give way. When faith and prayer are broken down, the foundation of spiritual life gives way. Faith and prayer are the foundation on which other things are to be built. Whoa. We need to recognize that God is working today as lo- along definite lines. God works along definite lines, all right? It is in accordance to a specific law. God refuses, me, God refuses to use his own will to overwhelm us. Okay? In, in time, the time frame that we live in, that this word God, earth is in a time frame. All eternity, there's no time. But in time, in this time frame, God has his hands tied. It's up to us. Whatever we do on earth will be done in heaven. Whatever we loosed in, in heaven will be brought down here. So we need to really get a hold of, hold of what the Word of God tells us to do and begin to operate in such a manner. that you'll do great and mighty exploits. God will not perform his will until he obtains cooperation with man. What happened, you know, cooperation with man, Noah. He had to have cooperation with man to, with Noah. He had to have a cooperation with Abraham. He had to have another man called Jesus to operate to have his will done here on earth. God must have man's har- be in harmony with his will. Man has to be in harmony with God's will. Go to second. Chronicles chapter 7. I know you know where we're headed for. But you need to look at 2 Chronicles. Right before Ezra. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Old Testament. We look at this quite often. Verse 14. 2 Chronicles. 7.14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and, what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It's only when we pray that God's going to do something. He says, if you do this, your land will be healed. 
He's telling us what to do. And we're too, too stiff-necked or hard-hearted or... too rebellious to do what he asks us to do. God works through his people. The measure of power that a believer has today determines the measure of power that comes on from God to man. Wow. The measure of power of, of a believer today determines the measure of power that comes from God to man. We have not because we ask not. And where does asking start? In prayer. We cannot increase God's power. You cannot increase God's power, but you can hinder it and obstruct it. Jesus says, because of your unbelief, Jesus is operating God's power, because of your unbelief, this has taken place. So we obstruct God's power. God has all the power in the world. But in this time frame, we obstruct it. We can obstruct it. We need to get in line with, in harmony with God's word. And the power is unlimited then to us. That's why Jesus said in John, you shall do greater things than I because I go unto the Father. Why? Because he's given us the key. And we're just kind of sitting there and going, ooh, somebody do it, somebody do it, and not taking responsibility ourselves. Hello. We cannot ask God to do what he does not want to do. We cannot ask God what he, what to do, wait a minute, let me go. We cannot ask God to do what he does not want to do, yet we can restrict him from doing that which he wants to do. Okay. Prayer only falls on the heels of harmony and agreement. Prayer is a ministry. Prayer is a work in progress. It's the responsibility of every believer before God to pray. Amen? Okay, good. The righteous prayer is not obtained by praying carelessly, heartlessly, even habitually, or improperly. James chapter 5, going back there. In James chapter 5, we find... Verse 15. 
And the prayer of the faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have any committed sin, they shall be forgiven. Verse 16. Confess your faults one another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I'll read that one from the Amplified. Verse 16. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps and offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Wow, it's available. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And for our last scripture, because you're getting out early. Ephesians chapter 6. And looking at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Watching there too. With all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The believer. You are God's chosen vessel. Glory to God. Where he's placed his will within your hands and within your heart. To pronounce God's will on earth. He's giving you his word to pronounce his will on earth. Hallelujah. Again, do not forget to pray for the military. Not just today or tomorrow, especially tomorrow and all days that honor our military, but you have heard what the chaplains and those that are believers in our military are facing. And when you go into the military now, they tell you that the biggest threat is the Christian. There's a terrorist in your, in your outfit. Funny. At Fort Hood and Texas, it was not a Christian that killed 13 soldiers and wounded 40 others. But it's the Christian that has been pinpointed as the terrorist in our country today. Yeah, it's going to happen. It says we're going to be persecuted. And it's going to be, you know, where are they going to persecute? Going to try to drive all, all Christians out of the military for a certain purpose, and you'll see it. Look up our redemption draweth nigh. He says when you see these things happening, just like she says, pray. Not for yourself so, so much, but for those that are on the tipping point. Especially those that are what we call backslidden. Pray that they write themselves out so they, so they will hear the call and not be the five virgins that stay behind in that parable saying, where are you? Wait, wait, I was coming, I was coming. I was, I was always with you. And if you remember reading Driven by Eternity, 
the five that, the people that did not make it, all their excuses and what, who they blamed and everything else, doesn't, doesn't do good. Okay, let's all stand. And I want to thank those that served in the military. I think there's three of you here. Two Army, one Navy, I believe. Okay, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. We thank you again for our country, Father God. We're asking, Father God, that there be revival, Father God, from the top down. That the men and women, Father God, that do serve in our country, Father God, as Christians, Father God, they will be favored highly of you, Father God. And Father God, those things that come against them, Father God, will not hold true. I thank you, Lord, they'll be like Daniel. That when it's necessary, Father God, they will speak forth the word of God, do the things that they're called to do, Father God, without any fear. So, Father, we praise you. We just give you thanks. As we honor the men and women, Father God, tomorrow. Bless them all. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you.